0: Hello and welcome to Renegade Paradise, the official podcast of the Charleston, South Carolina chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. We're an intersectional activist organization working to build a society and economy run by the working class, a society that democratically meets the needs of the many rather than creating profits for the few. Renegade Paradise is a news, commentary, and educational platform based on socialist analysis from activists here on the ground in the Lowcountry. By sharing a socialist perspective, and by lifting up the voices of our allies and comrades, we hope to create a space for folks in this part of the country looking to deepen their understanding of leftist politics, but who may not know exactly where to start members of the Charleston Democratic Socialists of America come from a broad, diverse set of backgrounds and tendencies within the spectrum of the working class left. What unites us is one common goal, and that's to build a different world, a better world. I'm CJ Bones, and tonight we are continuing our discussion on the COVID-19 pandemic. We believe that this is a unique moment in history where the contradictions of capitalism are laid bare for all to see, and sadly, the working class is suffering because of those contradictions. The same system that's supposed to be the, quote, natural order, unquote, is falling apart all around us uh, because it can't tolerate a week or two of slowed down economic activity. And the result? 3.3 million jobs gone. Which goes to say that folks who were part of that 3.3 million who were fortunate enough to have health insurance are now left to their own devices in the middle of literally a global pandemic. Turns out that tying someone's health care to their employers whose bottom line is ultimately expanding profits and not the health of their workers is a bad idea. Government response was, as expected, slow there have been reports of the Trump administration knowing about the scale of the COVID-19 pandemic and how quickly it was spreading since January. Since then, this fake president and his fake administration have been attempting to minimize the numbers. And you don't have to believe me on either one of those two points. Everyone from Business Insider to NPR has reported on these points. So that means we've had almost, what, three months to prepare for this thing, and the White House squatter in his cadre of social Darwinists and eugenicists did nothing except try to cook the books. As of this recording, COVID-19 cases in the United States have reached a total of 82,400 people, more than any other country, according to Johns Hopkins University. The death toll has just now overtaken 1,000 And most charts and graphs have the U.S. following a tidy little exponential curve upward. Despite all this, the U.S. Senate approved an estimated $2 trillion stimulus package to battle the harmful effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's a few highlights of what's included in the package, according to an article from the National Conference of State Legislatures. A $150 billion coronavirus relief fund for state, local, and tribal governments. Uh, $30 billion for an education stabilization fund for states, school districts, and institutions of higher learning for costs regarded to the coronavirus, $45 billion for the disaster relief fund for the immediate needs of state, local, tribal, and territorial governments to protect citizens, $1.4 billion for deployments of the National Guard, uh, which will sustain up to 20,000 members under the direction of the governors of each state for the next six months in order to support state and local response efforts. So your government is admitting here that this thing could go on for at least six months. An additional $4.3 billion uh, will go to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention to support federal, state, and local public agencies to prevent, prepare for, and respond to the coronavirus. One thing that is a uh, silver lining here is a lot of that money also goes to the expansion of unemployment insurance for, uh, from three to four months and provides temporary unemployment compensation of $600 per week, which is in addition to and the same time as regular state and federal unemployment insurance benefits. Side note our boy Bernie Sanders also was able to get a provision that would beef up unemployment benefits providing laid-off workers up to 100% of their salary and health insurance uh, for four months. So, of course, folks like Senator Lindsey Graham have been bitching about that for days. One of the low points of the stimulus fund was a $500 billion lending fund for businesses, cities, and states. Basically, a slush fund, and we will get into that more um, in the episode. And finally... $1,200 direct payment to many Americans and $500 for each dependent child. There were some things in the stimulus that were not directly pandemic response related, such as an extension of the real ID deadline, $25 billion for uh, transit systems, and $400 million in election security grants. But for the sake of brevity, we're going to focus on the items that I had just mentioned earlier. Uh, So that's, those eight items are obviously a lot to cover and I'm not going to be able to hash it all out on my own. So I've enlisted the help of a couple of comrades tonight. You might remember Alyssa from a few episodes ago when we were talking about the South Carolina primary. Uh, we also have a new person on the show tonight. They go by M and they work as a lab technician here in South Carolina. And since we're all doing the social distancing thing, I'm going to switch over to the phone. Audio is going to be a little rough, so please bear with me. Uh, Thanks to all of you who are still out there listening. I hope you're safe, well, and doing the best you can. Uh, Remember, we're all we got, so let's take care of each other. I'm going to switch it back over to the phone and uh, sit back, relax, and again, crack open the beverage of your choice and uh, enjoy. Maybe get a little inspired. This is CJ Bones, and you're listening to Renegade Paradise.
1: So to kick this off, uh, everybody, Alyssa, you've been on the podcast a couple of times already. Most recently, on the uh, uh, South Carolina primary election wrap up. Uh, M, this is your first time on the podcast. So, um, you know, first of all, how are y'all doing? I know it's scary and, and challenging right now. Uh, What has this social distancing process been like for each of you?
2: Well, I'm currently nine days into a quarantine, and the only person I've seen in nine days stuck a swab up my nose, and I still don't have test results.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So I'm not not having a great time, but... um, my fever broke and I'm feeling physically fine.
3: Well, that's good.
1: Are you yes. experiencing any other symptoms like any interference with uh, taste or smell or um, any sort of, like, trouble breathing or, or any of that sort not of right stuff that we've been hearing? not anymore. Okay. Well, that's my,
2: my first symptom was shortness of breath, which is why I was
1: concerned. Right. Um, yeah. That's nothing to mess with.
2: Yeah, so um, I'm hoping to get called the test Holt tonight. Yeah.
1: Well, we're all, um, <laughs> we all got our fingers crossed. Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're thinking about you, and this is, I think it's pretty fair to say that this has been tough for everybody in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah. So you definitely bring <laughs> a unique perspective. Um, I'm glad you're feeling better. That's really awesome. Alyssa, how are you doing?
4: So, on my end, I haven't left the house in, like, two and a half months. Um, uh-huh. And you might, the, the astute listener might think, but Alyssa, the quarantine's only been going on for two or three weeks. Yeah, so my chronic depression means that uh, this hasn't really changed my daily schedule very much. Right. Um Except for the fact that now um, when I want to go out and actually do something and I'm actually feeling, like, good about myself, like, I can't. So it's kind of been difficult in the mental health department. Um, But fortunately, our house is COVID-free, and we're trying to very aggressively keep it that way. So none of us are really going anywhere. I I hear you. Um, Like, describe that process
1: for me. Are are you all uh, just spending a lot of time disinfecting everything? Sounds like you're really limiting uh, going outside to absolutely critical, important needs.
4: Yeah. So we're trying to make sure that, like, if we do, like, have to leave the house for anything that we Disinfect afterwards whether that be Like a shower or Washing your hands or you know We don't track shoes through the House or anything like that so there's Not like random surfaces potentially Getting contaminated As far as like Getting things We're like we're fortunate Enough that We have Other contacts that are able To bring us food so uh-huh. they leave the food on the front porch and then leave, and we go get it. Um And then Alex has, like, a process by which he is decontaminating food before it gets put in with the rest of the food. So we're trying to just be, like, really thorough about not spreading germs in the house and not leaving the house unless, like, absolutely necessary.
1: Yeah. So that kind of uh, leads into our second question, uh, like measures that you've been taking to protect yourself and, and how it's changed your activism. So it's fair to say that a lot of the stuff we've been doing has shifted online, like DSA meetings, for example, have shifted online. In fact, after this uh, after this recording, um, you know, a bunch of us are going to be shifting to um, a regular meetings uh, through video conferencing as opposed to our usual meeting spots. What what have y'all's experiences been in this? Um, what has it been like trying to, you know, keep fighting the good fight, but also keeping yourself safe?
2: So I've actually found that activism is much more accessible for me now that it's okay. all online um, because I live in the middle of nowhere. Um and I also work a lot, and I have both mental and physical issues that can prevent me from leaving the house. Right. Um, so something I've talked about is that once this pandemic is over, I would like to start seeing options for um, online meetings and online participation.
3: Um, Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I I think that's really important, Um, just because, you know, when I get off work, I always have to drive the hour home to take care of my animals, and I generally can't drive another hour back out to go to a meeting. Sure. Um, And this is a different aspect and not something – I don't want to get into the details of it, but – the day my job put out our disaster plan to deal with the pandemic, I joined the IWW. Oh, um, nice. Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was like, well, this is insufficient and I may need help.
1: I'm going to go ahead and, and guess that probably quite a few uh, healthcare care workers have joined the IWW as of late.
2: Yeah. Um, now, luckily, so I, I think you know, when I developed symptoms, I was five days into 12 days on. Um, I'm an I essential worker. Well. So, uh, the second I'm cleared, I have to go back to work and I will be working through this. Um, yeah. But right. on the other side, I'm privileged in that, um, I won't be losing income.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's an interesting place to be because uh, you do uh lab tech work and mm-hmm. um, you're definitely on the front lines of all of this. But that uh, although that comes with some security, it also comes with some risk. Yeah. You navigating through that, I imagine, probably takes a lot of mental resources. Yeah. Hmm. Alyssa, what about you? Um How have you... Shifted your focus in um, your your normal activism. Um, last time we had talked, you were spending some time, like kind of getting to know uh, younger folks af- uh, during and after the primary season, uh, especially young trans folks, young LGBT folks.
4: How has that
1: changed, if at all?
4: So it has definitely changed in the. The biggest things that have changed is that it's become much harder for me to meet new people because um, there's not like events that I can safely go to or responsibly go to, even if they are still ongoing. Um, and a large part of what I typically do is try and either offer, you know, shelter or food or financial assistance to like struggling queer people. And I'm not in a position to be able to offer that right now, um, both because I barely have any food or financial stability right now and because uh, I can't be just bringing, you know, just anybody into my house for days or even weeks at a time um, right. for my own safety yeah. and their safety yeah. and the safety of my roommates. Um, sure. So it's really good damper on a lot of things uh, because my traditional methods uh, require much more
1: (laughs) requires more dogs
4: (laughs) yeah requires more dogs to recognize my voice over the phone and get excited about it
3: (laughs) oh
1: man yeah, I, I I hear you. Um, the the local food not bombs chapter has had to really rethink, and both you all have been a part of it in in various capacities for a while, so so y'all are plugged into it. Um, but just for the listeners, um, the local food not bombs chapter has really had to rethink from the from the bottom up how to get resources and get food out to people safely, and I'm sure you you guys are probably thinking about it too, but it's yet another thing that those of us, you know, on the ground doing this sort of work have to navigate because the system is already set up in a way to where uh, people are isolated and, and atomized and, and kind of discouraged from getting out into their communities and helping each other. When you have this sort of pandemic, all that is pushed to the forefront and everybody kind of has to immediately, quickly figure out how to get around that and still get help to folks that need it.
4: Absolutely. So it seems like
1: only a month ago you really couldn't talk about doing any sort of legislation that would address the material concerns that folks like us share without you know, people in the government like centrists and Republicans uh constantly asking how it was going to be paid for. So Y'all are pretty plugged in. What do you think changed all that and why?
4: Well, I think the obvious answer is that rich people started losing money. Um like we we immediately injected one point five trillion dollars into the stock market to get a, a fifteen minute boost in you know, the value <laughs> of the salary to to try to save the stock money of wealthy people. And nobody asked how we're going to pay for that, you know, because it doesn't matter. It's for rich people. We don't we don't care what happens to poor people. But as soon as rich people start potentially being affected by something, that's when stuff gets done.
3: Yeah,
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating. Um, I think um, another thing that changed is the rich people realized that the workers were kind of realizing their power. And I think it, I'm hoping it's scaring them. I'm hoping.
1: Same. Yeah, I, I totally see where both y'all are coming from. What the last few days have revealed to me personally is just this staggering cowardice uh, of our elected, uh, of our elected officials in both parties who have failed for years to fight for any sort of material meaningful change in the lives of the working class like literally the people that make the economy go and the 1.5 trillion dollar injection into the economy was about it, I'm totally with you Alyssa it was about protecting capital and preventing wealthy Wall Street types from basically jumping out of their high rises um and and crashing the stock market so I think what we're seeing is, it's kayfabe it's it's the illusion of control it's the illusion of safety and it's the illusion of stability meanwhile those of us here on the ground like we get fucking nothing
4: uh, well I'm thing is that you could,
1: oh god. Oh, no, go for it. <laughs> I was just so, going to drop a few you more F-bombs. Can, so somebody, you somebody take, please take it from here.
4: <laughs> you could take that $1.5 trillion that they put into the stock market and forgive student debt. Like this the literal thing, they're like, how are we going to forgive student debt? That's $1.5 trillion. Where is that going to come from? Literally, uh. the money you just threw into a furnace, you could have forgiven <laughs> student debt. And you know what that would have done a lot more for the fucking economy <laughs> than throwing this money into a yes. fire absolutely
2: it would It would personally change my life
4: <laughs> absolutely like if I suddenly didn't owe a hundred and five thousand dollars like think how much money I would be spending. <laughs>
1: I've, I've hung out with you before. you got some good taste in wine. I, I can I can picture at least a couple of things, you know?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. No, no, all joking aside, but I think that there's a ton of merit to what both of y'all are saying. Um, so those of us, you know, in the working class, like, we're the economy. It's not the people at the top. We're the economy. We're the people that actually, like, have, you know, when we have a little bit of disposable income – we actually go out and do things with it. We contribute to it. We don't just hoard it or we don't just stash it offshore in some, you know, Swiss bank account um, and just pass it on to our multiple generations of, of duels that come from our bloodline. Like we spend it because God damn, working, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. You need something to do in your off time at some point, And that money gets
3: yeah. spent. Uh,
1: imagining that we can squeeze more money out of people that just don't fucking have it just it doesn't make sense to me but that's kind of what we keep doing and we've done it over and over again we've done it in uh uh, 2017 back when we gave two trillion dollar tax cut to billionaires we've done it in 2008 when we uh Passed a stimulus package that basically went to saving the banks that ruined the fucking economy in the first place. We keep doing this over and over again, and we're not learning. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah, I I don't understand how because I'm young, how people who have lived it through all of those things aren't just like ripping their hair out in fury. Like I have to yell at my dogs. Hold on. <laughs>
1: Um, you know, I got a couple of, of uh, loud critters as well. Um, you, you all have both been to my place. They're quite barky, especially when I have guests in the yeah. backyard. So,
2: <laughs> I'm I'm it's sorry. Amazing. I really hoped they wouldn't do this.
1: Uh, I don't I don't mind though. It, it injects a little bit of life into the into the episode.
2: Hey, they we are loving a- this quarantine. They're having this time of their life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Mama's home all the time. <laughs>
4: In terms of, like, percent GDP, this bailout, this $2 trillion, which is actually a lot more than that, but I'll get into that later. This allegedly $2 trillion bailout is twice as large as the 2008 financial bailout in terms of, like, how long it will take the entire American economy to recoup this loss. Uh, just, like, in terms of how big this freaking bailout is, because you mentioned, like, the 2017 bailout and the 2008 bailout. This bailout dwarfs both of them.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like y'all definitely have a strong view, like, a, a strong bird's eye view of the stimulus package that was passed, you know, just recently. Um, there are some things that might potentially be useful. There are also definitely are parts of it that are basically a billionaires only bailout. What what's y'all's view?
2: Um, so I think that both of you probably actually know more about it than I do. So I do think the increase of unemployment is good. Like the amount of that people receive in unemployment is too low. Like it doesn't make sense. I don't understand why we continue to bail out corporations. They don't deserve it. They shouldn't be bailed out, especially corporations who don't pay their workers a living wage and aren't going to with that money. And then the, the trucks they're giving aren't even enough. Anyway, like it's for most people, one month or less than one month's rent, let alone their other bills.
1: Em, you brought up two very good points, and I'm glad you did. Um, we'll, we'll, we're definitely going to get to those, um, Alyssa. Uh, what do you think? I can feel you through the phone. That you're just like you're you're just powering up and you're ready to unleash here. <laughs> <laughs>
4: You're going super safe. Very angry about this stimulus <laughs>
3: <laughs> like,
4: This thing, honestly, like, I, I will. I know, like, we got a lot to talk about, and we'll we'll get into it. So the 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 bird's eye view. I'll keep it at that for now. The bird's eye view is that this stimulus package is a joke. It's an embarrassment, and it's an indictment of our entire political structure that this is considered a victory for Democrats. Uh, the direct payment thing has been touched on a million times. $1,200 is not enough for the vast majority of people to pay even a month of their financial obligations. Uh, and then the, uh, $500 billion for large corporations that Nancy Pelosi made such a big deal about is still in the damn bill. So like, what did you actually do? Yeah. So,
1: so there are a couple of things I, I did kind of want to build on from what y'all were saying. So um M, you were saying that you know unemployment insurance was increased and uh or unemployment benefits rather were increased and we have our boy Bernie Sanders to thank for that uh who yep. was able to get in a provision that would beef up unemployment benefits providing laid off workers up to 100% of their salary and health insurance benefits for 4 months as opposed to 3 um and I remember just a day or two ago uh Senator Lindsey Graham here from the great state of South Carolina I just spent like, you know, good solid two or three days on Twitter bitching about it. So it really goes to show you wh- wh- who Senator Graham thinks is worthy of saving and who's worthy of, of not saving. Alyssa, I'm glad that you specific. well, I think both of you all specifically mentioned that this, you know, if you just crunch the numbers, um, this little $1,200 check, for people is just not going to cut it. Because if you do the math, that $1,200 equals, you know, the minimum wage, seven twenty five an hour at, at 40 hours a week for four weeks. That comes pretty close to $1,200. So they're essentially just tossing folks just barely a month's worth of minimum wage earnings. And that's really not enough to survive anywhere because the national median rent for a one-bedroom apartment rose 4.1% from 2018 to 2019. At an end of the year at if i if I have my numbers right one thousand seventy eight dollars a month so i i'm I'm not a math major, but <laughs> if you're you know twelve hundred dollars minus ten seventy eight that's not enough money for fucking anything if you're fortunate enough to be eligible for unemployment um you because know, that doesn't count people who were furloughed
2: it does now they they <laughs> oh, added does. an amendment.
3: Yep. Oh, good.
2: I I only know that because um I know people who were furloughed.
3: Oh,
1: good. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Thank you. Um, so so that is good. It um and we have like I said we have our boy Bernie to thank for that uh because nobody else in in the Senate had their eye on the ball on that front. Um,
3: yeah. But yeah,
1: yeah, twelve hundred dollars. That's not enough. You're not going to be stimulating the economy. You're still going to be barely surviving. Uh and I just don't know. I don't really know how to get through to people that still believe in the fantasy of trickle down economics. But it so
2: has never worked. We everything. are still poor.
4: <laughs> it's literally never ever worked in the history of ever. Like it has never worked. <laughs> like in the world of trickle down economics, billionaires can't exist. Because all their money should theoretically be trickling down and, em- like, empowering other people. Instead, exactly. all our money is trickling up into the pockets of billionaires and hundreds of millions of millionaires' CEOs.
1: And I'm not That's a it, but I'm pretty sure stuff is not supposed to trickle up.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, like, one river yeah. in the entire world, you know? <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs>
1: oh, man. God. I'm glad I have a couple of beers in the fridge. <laughs> this is hard to get through. <laughs> thank you all yeah, again we have for, for like
4: we have a like liter downstairs <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you all again for like struggling through this with me. I really appreciate it cuz like talking to people who who uh, who are smart and have done the homework, you know, it helps it helps like fill in blind spots that I may not have thought about in, in uh, before. So thank you oh. all again for that.
2: You're, Sam, you're welcome. Speaking of that, only people who have social security numbers get the
3: $1,200. So That's undocumented
2: right. immigrants who have uh, tax IDs who still pay taxes don't get the benefit, but they still pay taxes.
1: Mm. That's right. I remember reading that on uh, CNN um, a few days ago, uh, and it probably I would imagine that they are probably not going to be getting that unemployment, uh, that that increased unemployment benefit as well, because so much immigrant labor is off the books. So much of it is cash only. Uh, undocumented immigrants make up about 5 percent of the U.S. labor force. And that totals about 7.6 million people, uh, according to estimates from the Pew Research Center. So basically, we're telling 6.7 million people. 6.7 million people who, like, are, are, uh, in critical fields that we literally could not have capitalism without to go fuck themselves.
4: <laughs> well, so, and, so you know, that, the contrast oh, to that being that, the, like, these large corporations that are getting $500 billion in bailouts, they don't pay fucking taxes either.
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> <They're
4: getting them. laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly but yet you have you know these undocumented immigrants that come through and you know the, the legal status of their paperwork may be in question but they still pay taxes they still spend money they still are contributing to their communities and these these companies that are in the end of their $500 billion stimulus they are fucking leeches I don't understand other than complete obvious racism and fascism like how anybody can make that distinction
4: Well, and the sad thing is that it is just complete, obvious racism. Like, that's literally the explanation. (laughs) These people are evil for the sake of being evil, and they hate (laughs) poor people and non-white people because they hate them. Like, there's no sugarcoating it.
1: Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, Alyssa. There's just, there's no amount of, like, Study in the world to to be able to wrap your head around it. Some people just
4: you can't hate like, folks. like philosophy your way around why people are okay with this. Like the answer is just they hate people. <laughs> yeah, and and, and that's tough. tough for that's that's
1: tough for somebody like me that that just likes to get deep into the in, into the weeds.
4: I would love to be able to like come at their like nuanced opinions about things with like. Targeted analysis and really compelling arguments, but if your answer is just he's not white, so I hate him there's no there's no way to address that um
1: before we get on to the the next question M, do you got any uh further thoughts on this point uh Alyssa and i we' we're, we're kind of riffing a little bit I want to make sure that I read the the time around
2: um, I don't think so,
1: okay. So um, on the last episode of Renegade Paradise, I talked about DSA National's list of demands in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. So do you all think this stimulus package meets any of those demands? Uh, and if so, which ones?
2: Yeah, if it's the five demands that's just going around that everybody has. the um, Yeah, that's, that's kind of what it, I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I was unclear on this because it does increase sick leave. But I remember there was a bill that was only going to increase sick leave for companies that had under 500 employees. Did they change that or is this, is that still?
4: They did not change that. It's still 500 or fewer employees.
2: Great. I love it.
4: And I think if I remember right, (laughs) under
1: 50 employees, you can just get a waiver. Yeah.
2: Cool. So all these big number one most hospitals have over 500 employees. Hospital workers need sick leave. Yeah. I'm, I'm currently voting through all my sick leave just to be quarantined right now. Um, Anyway. So, okay. So I don't think it means any of them. Um, freezing evictions and mortgage payments literally doesn't mean anything. If you don't also freeze rent payments, because the second that ends, they're just going to evict people. It's useless.
1: That's right. If you are giving people a uh, a $1,200 check, that's not like a bailout for people. That's a bailout for landlords, because landlords, if, if we don't have a, a moratorium on rent, uh, on, on evictions, rather, they're just going to end up getting their damn money anyway. Uh, so, you give the money to the people, the people end up paying it to the landlord, and the landlord ends up paying it to the bank because, you know, they probably got a mortgage on the place. So it's essentially a bailout for the landlord and then the bank, so it's slightly less direct than, say, you know, the, the recession of, uh, 2008. So, as, it doesn't
4: immediately help people.
1: It really does not. Absolutely not. And when I was doing some homework for the episode, uh yeah, there was really only one thing within DSA's national statement of demands that might possibly be helped by the recent stimulus or, or just the activity surrounding the recent stimulus. And uh, that's, um, according to an article in the Washington Post, that ICE will not arrest immigrants except in, quote, the most extraordinary of circumstances, unquote. So the mainstream media obviously frames that in a in a very sort of humanistic decisions that immigrants should not have to avoid seeking medical care because they fear, you know, they, they feel being they fear being picked up by ICE officers. And I personally have a hard time believing that an organization that will literally snatch families away in the middle of the night and separate them and has to date lost track of thousands of children would suddenly decide to err on the side of caution here. None of the other elements I could could really not dig up any sort of serious discussion about it. I don't think Medicare for all is going to be uh, a thing that we see uh, strong progress on. Immediately, I don't think there's going to be any sort of national uh, effort to pass moratoriums on evictions or mortgage collections. Uh, Some states obviously have passed it. Uh, South Carolina uh, passed a a moratorium on evictions until May. I don't know how, whether they're going to enforce it. Um, Folks on that front seem to be taking this into their own hands by organizing rent strikes. Uh But really, until we demolish capitalism, we can't scale up to resist these oppressive mechanisms effectively because there's this constant profit motive that just sucks the life out of us. Like, capitalists want us basically to go back to work in a few weeks, uh, essentially ignoring all the advice from all doctors and all scientists studying this fucking thing.
4: Yeah, absolutely. They don't. They don't care if we die. They, like, literally do not care if you die. They don't care if I die. They don't care if your mom dies. Listener, they don't care if you die. They want their money, and that's all that matters to them.
3: Yeah,
1: I I think it's really as simple as that. They want their money, and fuck you if you stand in the way. They would literally have you starve or get sick.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Um there's a news article um backtracking a tiny bit, uh, from six days ago that ICE um wants to purchase forty five thousand and ninety five masks. Hospitals don't have enough. Like uh we are limiting our use of them at my job and our use of PPE.
1: I remember hearing about that. So, are you thinking that ICE will probably get, like, first access to those masks before, like, hospitals
2: do? I don't know if they'll get first access, but they should not get any. They should not get any any masks.
1: Yeah, I agree. It seems like a much simpler solution would be, well, just don't enforce it.
4: (laughs) Yeah, abolish ICE. Like, boom, problem solved. These guys aren't getting sick. Problem solved. Yep. And now immigrants aren't concerned about going to hospitals because there's no fucking ICE.
1: Exactly.
4: Like, I am older than ICE. I am older than the TSA. These things do not have to exist. They're not intrinsic to our society. Get rid of them.
1: (laughs) All of these, like, you know organizations like they came from 9-11 basically they have not been around since the founding of the united states and i hope that that point has been out there long enough for people to sort of get it but i just don't have any faith in the mainstream media to, to to really keep on that so i think it's important with our platform here we need to keep hammering that
4: and you know what? This, there's this incredible thing, and this we won't go too far down this rabbit hole. But if we stop playing world police, maybe we wouldn't have so many enemies that we need to be afraid of.
1: That's the thing. Like all of these things are connected. Um,
4: it's all connected. I, I don't,
1: it's all connected, and and I don't think it's it's too. I don't think it's unfair to say that. America creates a lot of the problems that it then feels compelled to spend literally trillions of dollars to solve.
4: Well, you know, it's because, you know, Raytheon is legally obligated to its shareholders to make money. And how does Raytheon make money? War. That's it. But, but again, we're getting really far away from (laughs) (laughs) COVID-19. I mean, it all just comes back down to the like root evil of capitalism. So. It really does. I would say my final closing thought is that this bill does nothing of any substance for anyone who's not worth at least a hundred million dollars. And so unless helping those people is the DSA's goal, this does nothing. <laughs>
1: No, I, I I can confirm that that's not in our
4: platform. <laughs> well, then this bill is completely useless to all of
1: us.
3: <laughs>
1: oh man, what about you, Em? Any any further thoughts before we bounce to the next question?
2: Uh, nope. It does not meet any of DSA's list of demands. Um, it, you know, it like. Takes the list of demands. It's like, what's 1% of each of these demands, and then let's water it down. It's like um, how people make homeopathic medicine. That's how it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh it has been fun to see, like, elected officials' tweets get taken down when they post inaccurate things about COVID-19.
1: Oh, really? Um, Talk about that a little bit.
2: Just you know, just speaking of woo woo people. Um, I think uh one of Andrew Como's tweets got taken down. I'm not sure who else did. Um yeah. but Twitter has a very strict if you post uh inaccurate things including like we could stop social distancing now, your tweets get taken down even if you're verified and an elected official.
1: Oh, wow. So, uh, Jack Dorsey did something right for once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Um, All right, y'all. So, um, my next question zooms out a little bit. Are there some other countries you can think of that have reacted better uh, to the scale and severity of this pandemic? This might be an easy question, but if you have, like, maybe specific practices that were put in place in other countries. Uh, maybe spend a little time talking about that so we get a really good picture of how like other countries are handling this.
4: Yeah, so let's compare uh, the absolute fucking travesty of what America is doing uh, with what other allegedly developed countries are doing. For one, Spain has nationalized its entire fucking healthcare industry in response to this. It bought every private hospital and healthcare facility in the country and runs them now. They have Boom. a national healthcare care service, like Medicare for all. Boom. Just like that. Also, yeah. <laughs> Italy has suspended permanently until the end of this, both rent and mortgage payments, and you will not have to make back pay on them. You just don't pay rent right now.
1: France. I'm going to make a note for myself to to add an air horn sound effect into this
4: part of the podcast. <laughs> France has suspended all taxes, rent, and utilities for all small businesses, and will nationalize any that go bankrupt. And like France is just like nationalized, nationalized, just every single one of them. And and these are just, like, some specific per-country examples. But also remember, most European Union countries have long-established social safety nets for unemployment that kick in immediately upon gaining unemployed status and pay a large portion of your previous salary. Like, England is paying, like, 80% of your salary if you're unemployed, not $600, you know, like – uh, Italy is paying like seventy five meanwhile we're like here's a one time twelve hundred dollar check. you know like it's a fucking embarrassment what America right. is doing about this crisis compared to everything else i mean we couldn't it wasn't it was like a week ago that our president, the quote leader of the free world, finally even acknowledged that this wasn't a democratic hit job against his reelection. <laughs> OK, like Italy was on complete lockdown and literally sending people to jail if they broke quarantine and potentially charging them with homicide if they knowingly broke quarantine while exhibiting symptoms. And our president God is the fucking hoax engineered by Nancy Pelosi to hurt his election chances. OK, you know like, what? this is a fucking travesty. If
1: the Democratic Party was capable of that, like, of of that level of dirty politics, I'd they're fucking absolutely
4: vote not. for them. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Like, they get, they can't even, like, say mean, like, like. Some, Joe Biden was on, I think it was CNN, and somebody was like, Joe, would you say that Trump has blood on his hands for the way that he's handled this crisis? And Joe's like, I think that's a little harsh. No. President Trump... <sighs> directly is responsible for the deaths of thousands of Americans because of not stopping this crisis early enough. He's told people that it is the flu and that they can take anti-malaria medication to go against it, which has directly killed people because they've been dumb enough to try it. Like, it's, it's, it's a circus. Like we're sitting here fending for ourselves in, you know, like this pre-apocalypse and Trump is saying that he won't like grant financial aid to states whose governors aren't nice to him. Okay. Compare that <sighs> to Spain instantly nationalizing their entire healthcare service so that they can fucking help their citizens. You know, like it's an embarrassment is what it is. Like we should all feel ashamed. And honestly, we should all be trying to get out of here because, you know, like, the fall of Rome is coming. Yeah.
1: What, what about you,
4: Amanda? Also,
2: like, you have... oh, um, uh, just the um Asian countries' access to testing, like the Taiwan and Hong Kong, like, they are very close to mainland China and have a very small number of cases because they tested everybody like this um nonsense where we uh like i said it's been eight days i don't have test results um now also she's gonna mention i couldn't get tested by a hospital i work with not sure why uh i had to go to a different hospital to get tested
1: let me just make uh, sure i heard you right because your, your phone kind of clipped out for a second um
2: did oh, I hear I'm right sorry. That
1: you that you could not get tested at the hospital that you work at. Yeah. God damn.
2: I had to go to a different hospital. Oh.
1: Anyway, um, I I kind of interrupted you. I I apologize. I just wanted to make sure that I heard you right because oh, that.
2: Oh, that that's wild. That's, that's, I'm, um. Yeah. Oh, they're testing everyone here. We're not even testing people who have tested positive.
1: I I'm a little speechless. Um, so <laughs> let me kind of gather my thoughts a little bit before um, before we continue. I guess. Um, I, I don't know any any further thoughts on this topic, y'all.
4: I think I'm good on like the the foreign response. Like I had a couple like pretty specific points. That some e u countries are doing, but like beyond that the other the one other thing is that South Korea, like as soon as there was any issue, South Korea started doing mandatory testing and tested everyone like just wow, boom, and that's why they don't have massive, massive amounts of uh issues despite the fact that the vast majority of their population is concentrated in Seoul, you know, like
2: yeah. yeah. Like, at There's the very at least, the least, all of us who are essential workers should be tested if we have to keep going to work.
4: That's right. a great and idea. Classifying, like, like, I have a friend who works at PetSmart and can't, like, they've been classified as an essential worker and they're having to, like, do retail all day, every day, like, for $8 an hour. So that people can buy dog food, and like, yeah, your dog shouldn't starve to death. But at the same time, my friend's not even getting sick leave, and they're an essential worker for this economy. Like, let's let's rethink what we consider essential. And if they really are essential, then let's actually pay them and treat them like they're essential.
1: You goddamn right. Anybody who's considered yeah. an essential worker deserves a, a living wage, a union, and paid sick leave. Absolutely. Let's riff a little bit about what the advantage of giving, um, you know, on the ground working class Americans uh, larger stimulus checks versus this sort of big amorphous $500 billion bailout for businesses, cities, and states.
4: Okay, so the first and most obvious advantage is that everyday people spend money. Uh, corporations do not spend money. Corporations. Take that 500 billion that you gave them and spend it on stock buybacks that are only going to already extremely wealthy people to benefit the corporation in the long run. And they spend it on CEO and board member salaries and bonuses. That 500 billion dollars, no, no person who works for Amazon or Boeing or whatever is going to see a penny of that. Exactly. So it does, it does not stimulate the economy. And then on top of that, it's grossly, grossly misproportioned to the actual damage these companies are suffering. So part of the $500 billion uh, is $50 billion going directly to airlines, $17 billion of which is slated to go directly to Boeing, who specifically said that they would turn down the money if, gov- if the government had any stake in it. So they don't actually need that money if so badly if they can choose whether or not they're going to take it, right? Like, oh, well, if you have any say in what we do with it, then we don't actually want your money at all. Well, you must not be that desperate, Boeing. And then on top of that, $17 billion is more than they've posted in profits for the last three years running, cumulatively.
1: Are we talking about Boeing still, right?
4: Specifically Boeing. So you're trying to tell me that in two weeks – Of the economy, you know, slowing down, they've lost more money than they made in the last three years combined. Fuck you. You know, like, (laughs) Boeing doesn't fucking need that money. Like, they they don't. Like, they may be struggling. Like, Boeing as a company is struggling. Their stock is losing value. They're posting lower profits than they have in the past maybe if they hadn't made a fucking plane that killed people, and then tried to cover it up, they wouldn't be losing
2: money.
1: Ah. Ah. I I love the fire you're bringing to
2: this, Alyssa. When I looked at this question, my mind immediately just thought, well, we don't go riot and kill you. Um... (laughs) Yeah. But I was like, this okay. This is a spicy no, episode.
1: This. I'm really loving it. <laughs> I
2: was like, okay, answer this seriously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, on another note, like, again, those businesses, they don't pay taxes. Like, what that money does nothing. And then I was going to say, I saw a tweet where some some legislator was like, I hope these companies don't spend this money on, on stock buybacks. And I was just like, you you make the laws. You can make it a law.
4: Yeah. You could literally say we can't do that. <laughs>
2: but probably one of these companies probably funds his campaign.
1: Oh, no, so, That's a great point
2: yeah it's it's very frustrating um,
1: that's yeah. that's fair that's fair um i did wanna so so I was kind of thinking about this as well you know, I really tried to put myself in the mindset of like, what's something that, so I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. I can work from home. Uh, so I do have that kind of, uh, privilege and I wanted to, I did want to acknowledge that. But if that wasn't an option for me, like what would be the advantage, uh, of somebody in my situation? Um, you know, getting these larger checks for more than just, you know, three or four months, for example, uh, versus this five, this big $500 billion slush fund essentially, uh, for big businesses. And I think, it's important to mention that more folks would be able to self-quarantine for a longer amount of time and and therefore slow and eventually lower the infection rate. Uh, not to mention that these big businesses like Boeing have plenty of assets that they can sell off and gain some liquidity. Um, and they can sell it off for a pretty – depending how desperate you are, sell it off for a pretty cheap rate. Like I don't have – like me personally – I don't have billions of dollars of like technology and infrastructure that I can basically just you know make some steep discounts on to get some cash. Like I I go to work and and make my hourly wage and and uh, just like everybody else does. And and to put the burden because that's what this is. It's a burden to put the burden on folks like us, like on the ground that just have to work for a living to survive. That is all sorts of fucked up. When literally you have the biggest, strongest, wealthiest countries in the entire world that suddenly can't handle one or two weeks of people just not being able to show up to work or not pe- not being able to buy things as much as they normally do, and I think that's a real indictment of this bullshit system that we're under that can't tolerate you know a couple of weeks of nobody going out to shop, right? <laughs> Uh, like, it's, it's important for us to remember that, uh, here, the, like, those of us in the working class, we are the economy. Not Boeing, not the banks. Uh, we are the economy. So give us the fucking money and the economy, which is us, will
4: recover. Right? <laughs> exactly. And, like, honestly, like, all these bailouts do. Uh- like real quick I could do like two hours on just the 500 billion for like corporation <laughs> one slice of this stimulus package because there's so much to talk about with it. Not even just like the same like kind of general points that we've already made, but like there's so many like long ranging effects and huge amount of damage that this is going to do. But like, All this is doing is rewarding corporations for 12 years of fiscal recklessness since the 2008 bailout, where these companies are so, like, fragile and cash poor that a disruption of merely a few weeks leaves them completely destitute. And it's because money is imaginary. These companies don't actually have money, and they run on debt and promises. And the only reason you're poor and they're rich is because they've made more promises to people.
1: You're goddamn right. That's a great way of putting it.
4: It's it's fucking just... I don't even have words for it, honestly. And another, another thing, like, specifically about Boeing, right? The airline industry has taken a hit, right? People aren't flying, you know, because... Most countries are quarantined and not accepting incoming flights anyway. Um, But Boeing is not an airline company. They're an airplane company. They build airplanes and sell them to airlines, and these planes take months and months to build and are ordered years in advance. A two-week economic downturn has no impact On Boeing's bottom line, why do they need $17 billion?
1: Why, indeed.
4: Like, I know I'm harping on Boeing, but it's just because that's one of the companies that I have actually specific numbers about. But, like, just in general, you know, the fact that these companies are immediately bankrupt because they're not making profit in two weeks. Or, you know, three weeks or however many weeks this thing has been going on at this point. The Trump presidency. Um, like it, it's an indictment of capitalism as a system. Like they, they don't actually have money. None of this Wall Street stuff actually exists. You're literally just moving imaginary numbers from one column to another and getting paid in more imaginary numbers for doing so. The stock market. Is not the economy. The stock market does not affect the everyday person in this country at all. We are the economy, back to your point. You know, like we generate wealth for ourselves, not the stock market. The Dow Jones could be zero tomorrow, and the only people that would be affected are people already worth hundreds of billions of dollars.
1: Yeah, I think that's all really strong we, those of us here in the working class, we would still have, you know, whatever our skill sets are, like we would still be able to do things. Because like, whether or not the stock market actually moves up or down, like we still have the ability to do and make things. Being tied to the system, that's basically like gambling. Like that's really the only thing that decides whether or not we're destitute. It's not how hard we work because productivity has been on a steady incline since, what, basically the 70s, the 80s? It's been on a steady incline. Wages have not kept up with it. So it's like the stock market and and everything that rich people care about, it's its own sort of parallel dimension, essentially.
4: Exactly. These people, like, have money because they're good at buying and selling the promise of more mm-hmm. money. They're not... Actually contributing anything to our society. They do not have marketable, well, I shouldn't say marketable, usable skill. Like if, if me, you, M, and a stockbroker were stranded on a desert island, guess who gets eaten first? <laughs> you know, then stockbrokers are well marbled. Anything. Too. <laughs> Um M,
1: do you have any uh further thoughts on uh this this question here?
2: Um, not really the The things you were saying about money being imaginary did remind me that I get mad about my four oh one k sometimes, even I'm just lending a bunch of rich people my money to make promises with and gamble with and I don't know what happened to it because of this, and I wish I had cashed it out and bought solar panels. Yeah. So. It's almost like we were anyway. taught our... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I wasn't going anywhere with that. What were you saying? <laughs>
1: um, I was just saying it's almost like we've been taught our entire lives to just, like, you know, trust the system and keep m- funneling our money upwards and, you know, when the real world doesn't quite pan out that way.
3: What the fuck do you do?
1: I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that all of us have structured our lives and our work on on how best, you know, grab whatever cash we can in this shitty system and, you know, uh, and I, I know that uh you're you're pretty good with uh, you know, tilling the land, so to speak, but uh yeah, I don't think a lot of folks are and maybe this is a little off topic and I might delete it later. Um but mm-hmm. we're all kind of locked into the system that's not living up to the promises that it that it keeps putting out there still to this day. And I just don't understand what working people are supposed to do other than, you know, Figure out which parts of of rich people are the most tender and cook the easiest.
4: <laughs> I would
1: think
3: <suggest> the loin. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: A good rump roast out of a stock trader might makes uh, might make a, a good scalable meal.
4: That's true. It's going to be real meaty because they sit on it yeah.
1: all day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Um I, I guess that um I am legally obligated to say this is a joke. I am not actually encouraging leftists to go out there and literally eat people and cook people. So FBI yes. are you're listening. <laughs> <They> do. <laughs> do not actually go out and cook and eat rich people. That would be bad.
3: <laughs> uh
1: man. Okay, so uh I think uh I think we're all getting a little chuckly, so I think this seems like a, a good good upward note to end this thing on. Uh, what are y'all's final thoughts? Are there some things that uh, DSA in particular and maybe just sort of the left in general should keep in mind moving forward?
2: Like I said, I want to see online meetings continue after the pandemic. I think that's really important. And um sounds cliche, but we still have each other uh, because that's what mutual aid
4: is. Some takeaway points. Um, there are a lot. And like I said, CJ, we should definitely have something. I don't even know if it's like a bonus episode or something, but I really feel like there's a lot to talk about with this uh, $500 billion. But But... Um, one big takeaway is that all of the accommodations that you're seeing right now for joblessness, homelessness, the disabled, all of these have always been possible. They've always been feasible. And the only reason it's happening now is because rich people are possibly being affected. But do not let us go back to the status quo after this. Demand that the things, the accommodations that have been made for you in this time period stick around. Um, You know, disabled people who need to be able to go to school online and schools that just suddenly are able to offer all their classes online. Wow, that's crazy how they're suddenly able to do that. Don't let them stop. You know, don't allow your company to take away your paid sick leave if they gave it to you strictly for this. Um, So on and so forth, because all of these things have always been possible, and it just takes the rich potentially losing money uh, to – suddenly make them happen. Uh, Another thing to keep in mind is that uh, while you are out working for starvation wages and putting your lives on the line, uh, CEOs are staying home, working from home on conference calls, and uh, the Senate gets 33 weeks of paid sick leave a year. Uh, So, you know, think about that. Think about who your allies actually are and think about who cares about you. Um, and then uh, another thing is that all of these extensions of benefits from unemployment uh, and the $1,200 checks that are ultimately meaningless are temporary. But the investment of the government into already massive corporations of another $500 billion, and it's actually much more than that, uh, is permanent and will be as devastating and impactful on our economy as the Citizens United Supreme Court case. Uh, you will have hundreds of thousands of small businesses going under during this crisis, regardless of any assistance they get from the government. Uh, and this $500 billion to Walmart and Amazon will allow them to buy up all of their competition even if they can't do stock buybacks, there's no restrictions on mergers, uh, for this, for this money. So I'm glad look, you brought that up, Alyssa. Um, cause remember that, this that moment. really, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, remember this moment 10 years from now when you think back, gee, why are there no small restaurants anywhere? Well, it's because the gigantic restaurant chains that got bailed out during this bought them all up. Why are there no mom-and-pop, you know, convenience stores anywhere? Because Walmart was able to buy all of them with their $100 billion given to them by the Fed.
1: That's a really great example of uh, disaster capitalism. Whenever a terrible thing happens, uh, the, the folks not quite so high up on the food chain are usually the first to go because they just straight up don't have as many resources to recover with walmart and at amazon and at, like we were, we've been making fun of boeing for a good 20 30 minutes like if these motherfuckers can do it but suddenly you find yourself like barely able to scrape by remember this point think about why your government failed you and decide today what you're going to do about it because voting for the same people is not changing anything Putting your faith in Joe Biden is not changing anything. Hell, at this point, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bernie Sanders. He's, he's not an end. He's a start. He's the tip of the iceberg of the discussion. We as working people need to decide when we're fucking fed up with this and when we're actually going to start making change, not just in the voting booth, but in our workplaces, in our schools, in our churches and in the streets. And I think all three of us here on this podcast can can agree on that point, right?
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, y'all, I really had a great time uh, talking about this. It felt good to blow off uh, some steam a little bit. I feel like this episode was particularly spicy, uh, which I think we all really (laughs) needed. (laughs) If if you're Um, not angry
4: about this, you should be, because your elected representatives have completely betrayed you. And... And yes, like not just Republicans, but Democrats as well. That's like
2: right. I want to point out that your representatives are supposed to represent your needs. They owe you. They work for you. Also, they get—I don't—I don't even know how many weeks paid sick leave, but it's definitely a hell of a lot more than two.
1: You're damn right. And I think Senator Lindsey Graham makes close to like $180,000 a year um, and has a net wealth of almost $700,000. And I don't even know if that's counting all of the, um, you know, lobbyists injecting money into his campaign. So yeah. he's doing fine. They're all doing fine. Those of us on the bottom here are struggling. And if we unite and we share our struggles, I think we'll find that we have more in common than we don't and that's how we win this thing. Um again, thank y'all so much for, for riffing on all this with me today. It just it really feels good to just get into the into the nuts and bolts of all this. I would really love y'all to to keep coming back and keep having conversations like these. Um and, and for our listeners that have been uh around for a while uh Renegade Paradise started, you know, basically as a series of audio essays because uh, we were just sort of getting our feet down under us, and we really weren't sure where to go. And gradually more of us started coming in and taking the mic, and, and that's really what needs to happen. We need to have this sort of broad discussion from a lot of different points of view. Uh so I really appreciate the two of y'all lending your unique voices and your unique uh, unique perspectives to this situation. This show and and this chapter is is going to be stronger for that.
2: I only joined uh, about a month or two months ago. So.
1: <laughs> yes. And we're we're very lucky to have you and and honestly um the the past couple years I've been involved with the local uh you know DSA chapter. We've we've made some great connections both within and, and, and outside of the chapter, and uh, I don't want to be too Pollyanna about it, but I think these connections that we're making are gonna I, I think we're gonna build into something great. I don't know what that looks like yet, but here's hoping, right? <laughs> yep. All right, gang. Well, I'm gonna uh, call it a night. Thanks again for participating, uh, and thanks to all y'all out there for listening.
5: Solidarity forever all have a good night. Stand up, all victims of oppression, for the tyrants fear your might. Don't cling so hard to your possessions, for you have nothing if you have no. Exploitation no who will